Welcome, friends, to the Homegirls Podcast. This is the place to be if you have questions about buying and selling in today's real estate market. My name is Vicki Molitaire. I'm a top producing mortgage loan originator, and my co-host is Beth Hobart. Hi there. Beth is a top producing, award-winning Central Florida realtor. Together, we have over 50 years of combined experience helping clients achieve their goals of homeownership in any market. Our mission, to help you find your way home. So let's get started. Hi, Beth. Hi, Vicki. How has your week been? How are you doing? And my week's been good. We had a really fun happy hour with some of our real estate partners and past clients and VIP business referral partners. So it's been fun to reconnect in 2024. Oh, that's I, awesome. Very I heard cool. you had a good week. I want to hear about it. I want you to share with our oh audience if you feel like it, your exciting news. Oh, Yes. I mean, so last October, we lost our dog, Tommy. He was really sick towards the end. We we had him for 14 years. So he was absolutely part of the family. And we never thought we would get another dog again, or not anytime soon anyway, because we have two senior cats that are 18 years, years old too. So obviously we were not smart in the way that we spaced out our animal ages <laughs> at all, because <laughs> they were all old. And, you know, so now the cats are super old and um. We um, ended up adopting a dog. A lot of things kind of fell into place. And I felt like the universe kind of brought us together, which was the only way that we would ever adopt again. And um, yeah, just uh, I posted about it on Facebook. So that story is up there and I won't give you all the details again. But yeah, his name is Cody and he's an Australian shepherd. He's a rescue. So he's mixed in with other things. I'm sure like a cop. He's so handsome. I don't know what he's mixed with, but some people were saying a Burmese mountain dog and some other things, but he's got the cutest little face. And I think his tongue is too long for his face, for his mouth, because he always like, he'll sit there and he'll have like the tip of his tongue just sticking out of his mouth. And he sleeps like that with his little tongue sticking out. It is the cutest thing. You my horse does see. that. It's like a an anxiety thing for him. That? Yeah. My, my horse actually, oh my. we have most of the time his tongue's hanging out. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so funny. But it's the so cutest how are the thing. Cats and he's adapting. He's like, is everything good? Oh, totally fine. Thank goodness. That was the biggest thing. When we were talking to his foster mom, um, and we we told her, you know, listen, that that's the biggest thing. We can't stress out the cats because they're, you know, they were here first and they're 18. We don't want to stress them out in their last years. And from the beginning, Cody has been like totally fine with them. I mean, Angus, when I feed, um, when I feed Cody, Angus, our cat, will come over, eat out of his dish, and Cody will just back up and wait for him to finish. Because oh, I don't know so, why Angus does this. I think he's boy. just like, oh, yeah. I think Angus is like, oh, different food. Let me try this. And um, and Cody will just like stand back, let him finish, and then go back to it when Angus walks away. It's the funniest thing. So That's adorable. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, my own weird way. I'm like, Tommy had a hand in this and like wanted us to adopt again. And <laughs> Every so, pet parent out there is crazy. thinking the same thing as they listen to this. Right. What you guys don't know is that best cats make appearances on the podcast. It's just because you can only hear us and not see us. There's often a cat climbing up the back of Beth's back onto the top of her chair. It's... It's, it's usually Angus and he'll, he will start like massaging my back, which is very nice. Or he'll like start biting my neck. And maybe that means he thinks I'm part of the family and part of his. I'm not sure. Group, or he wants to I kill guess. you. Like cats always, wants I to always kill me. feel in the back of my mind, your cat always, he loves you, but he always wants to kill you too. Yeah. You're never safe. Like they'll definitely eat you. If you, if you die in the house, they will definitely eat you. Yeah. They're so. probably eating the body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm so, so excited for you and Jim and congrats on Cody. Maybe for fun, we can post some pictures of thanks. the animals that we mentioned. I'll post a picture oh of Stetson gosh. with his tongue hanging out and 
We can put a picture yes. of Cody and the kitties um, hanging out yes. together on our, our homegirls uh, social pages. I love that. I think that's a great idea. And then everybody can share their own, their animal, their fur baby pictures too. I I love it. I love it. So this week I was hoping we could go over some questions. We've had um, some of our listeners um, reach out and, you know, there was a bunch of questions, but there were several that were coming from people who wanted to talk about selling. And that's your area of expertise. A couple of these we could probably make a whole episode about. Um, but maybe you can help us just give us a, a more simplified answer for now. And we'll check out the feedback and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I love questions. So keep them coming, people, because, the, you know, we love to hear from our listeners and to know, you know, what are your thoughts? What are you know, what are your struggles and questions? And we will always address them on the episodes. And like Vicki said, we can always spiral off into other, other episodes, you know, just as we go, because we got so many good ones. Yeah. I mean, this first one is a really good question. I know you could make a whole episode about it, but do your best for us today. Maybe hit on the top points. The question is, if I'm thinking about selling my house, how can I maximize my home's value and appeal? Okay. So I would say, obviously, um, curb appeal. So make sure your lawn is mowed, that your landscaping is up, you know, has been refreshed and always do the landscaping and the pressure washing right before you list, because otherwise, if you're waiting a month, it's going to get, you know, it's not going to look as good. Um, instead of paint. Yeah, exactly. You want it to be nice and fresh. Um, if you can't afford, to paint your entire house again. I always think it's great if you could just do the white trim and just paint the trim. So that way that refreshes your house's look as well. Um, even pressure washing your, your, you know, your home will freshen it up too. Um, also cleaning the windows is huge. Like I always tell people deep clean your house before you list as well, because you want it smelling fresh and you know, um, light and bright, you know, you're opening up your blinds and letting the light come in. Cause when I'm at showings, like people are paying attention to how your house smells and how, you know, and obviously how light and bright it is. Right. So you always want to open up the blinds and have the lights on and just make it, you know, as bright as possible. So, um, so yeah, so deep clean, wash the windows, um, paint the white trim on your home. I would also say paint the front door too. You could do that because you can use a complimentary color and that makes it pop. And that's always really nice. It's the first thing people do when they walk, you know, into your house. Walking through that front door. Walking through. Um, obviously decluttering is huge. You know, nobody wants to see a bunch of stuff lying around or, um, you know, it just, you want spaces to feel and look larger, right? So you don't want a bunch of knickknacks or clutter. Um, definitely go from room to room and start just, you know, taking down all those things. Um, you know, family pictures too, because you want people to picture themselves in the house. So if you can streamline it and you know, also, I always tell people too, you know, you don't want family pictures on the wall when you have pictures of your home taken too, because then you also have, um, you know, your kids will be on the MLS, which feeds oh, out gosh, to other yeah, websites. That. Yeah. Right. So, um, so for that reason alone, I would say take your pictures down, but also, you know, just depersonalizing your home really helps people to kind of envision themselves in there. Um, and in addition to that, this is a good tip too, um, that I don't think people think about, but, and we just did an episode, episode seven, uh, talking about our four point inspections and insurance mm-hmm. and what we're dealing mm-hmm. with. 
in the insurance industry. And so before you list, another thing that you could do is get a four-point inspection. Um, hire a home inspector. They'll do a four-point inspection. They will check um, the roof, the plumbing, the HVAC, the electrical, also your water heater. And they'll make sure, you know, are they at the end of their life? Are there any issues? Um, because all of those things are going to come up in the buyer's home inspection. And if you can get all those things handled ahead of time, you won't have any surprises later. Then you can even advertise that you have a four-point inspection. That's clean. Ooh, I like that. Um, yeah. That gives people confidence when they are going to put an offer in on your house that they won't get tripped up by insurance problems that could prevent them from closing. So I always feel that's like that's amazing advice. Thing. Yeah, because yeah. as a buyer, you know, you really want to, the home inspection to go well. And when it doesn't, it's not like you can't re, you know, try to renegotiate and get things fixed, but you just feel better about your decision if you have a good home inspection. And then the seller, right. you know, it has to it helps them with their budget too, right? Because they've got a number they want to walk away with to buy their next house. Exactly. So I feel like that it's is just awesome kind of, advice. Yeah, that's um I, I feel like that's really a smart way to go about it. And actually, um and also because people get drops from insurance um often these days, um, my house is 104 years old. I'm in a historic district. So um what I do is I get a four point actually every year, just personally, because um I want to make sure my electrical is good, there's no issues, there's no leaks in my roof, there's no problems because if I need to requote insurance, I'm going to need a recent four point anyway. And I have to tell you, um, I think it was last year when I had um, a four point done, there was actually a leak that was oh, no. behind the wall in the shower, my guest bedroom. And the inspector saw the leak in the crawl space. And he's like, I don't know where this water's coming from. And he had to really do a lot of due diligence to figure out <laughs> what it is. And Gosh, but still... Around. Amazing. It was in the wall. It was behind the wall. We had to open up the wall, fix the pipe. But if he had never gone underneath my house, if I had never gotten a four point, he wouldn't have seen it. And that would have just been like festering behind the wall for, you know, however long. So yeah. um, you, you could have also found do out that when things too. got really bad when it finally <laughs> yes. came into the house. Oh no. Yeah. Okay. So, so four point, I mean, just a preemptive strike is a good idea too. I think so. Well, for me, I mean, I always feel like, yes, if you can head things off like that, um, I think it's good because, you know, especially 104 year old house, right? Like they're going to drop me at some point. I'm going to have to shop new insurance. Good to have a a recent four points. So, uh, so for, so yes, I would recommend that too. That's not something I've thought about. That's great. No, that's really good advice. And, you know, obviously your home is 104 years old. And so it's top of mind that you want to keep track, you know, we're talking in Florida right now it, with McKinsey last week on the uh, recent, most recent episode about insurance that, you know, people are getting dropped sometimes when their roof is over 13 years old. So imagine yeah. with a 104 year old house, you're just staying out in front of it. That's great advice. I love it. Yeah. And I, you know, if you have a brand new house or your home is newer, you know, it may be excessive to get a four point every year, but uh-huh. maybe not though for, for certain people. And again, like um, with electrical issues, like things can change on your house. Something, you know, something could short out. I mean, the last time I got a four, um, a four point inspection, there was an issue with my AC where something like, um, I think it was my, um, like one of the wires, like something kind of wasn't working great. And so I was able to get that addressed too. So there's always something with your house, right? So I feel like yeah. that's, no, and it's your advice. most valuable asset. So you need to, to right. take care of it to maintain it properly. And just to yep. clarify, in case you're joining us for the first time, a four-point inspection. It's done by a licensed home inspector, and it covers the four major systems of your house. 
gives the um, gives you an idea of what the remaining economic life is. Um, so right. it's roof, heating and air, plumbing, and electric, and mm-hmm. squeezed in there with I think the plumbing is the hot water heater. So yeah, all right, good exactly. to know. Yeah. Well, you ready for the next one? It's also surrounding sellers. Okay. Okay. Well, this is an interesting one, especially since you guys just adopted Cody. We had um, a listener ask, you know, I'd like to sell my house, but I'm really worried because we have a lot of pets. What Mm -hmm. can you offer as a realtor, you know, as a, a, to list my property? What would your, what would you say to make me feel more comfortable about listing and showing my property with pets in the house? There's a couple of ways that you can approach this. Um, One of which maybe you, uh, when you list your home, you do open houses over that weekend. And so that way you can be out of the house with your animals. Let's say you have a couple of dogs. We had a situation where where the sellers had five dogs. And so we knew anytime that we would have a showing, we knew it was going to be hard for them to leave and go on a walk. You know what I mean? Like, how are you going to maneuver that. So we ended up listing, um, listing the property, advertising the open houses that weekend. And they just, you know, they were like, okay, we can be gone for chunks of time. And they had stuff going on that weekend. So it worked out perfect. And um, with their schedule, we were able to get a contract on the house as a result, because we were able to drive all the traffic to those open houses. So that really helped. Um, another option would be, cause we always tell people go for a walk, you know, take the dog out of the house. You don't want a dog to be crated and barking the entire time that people are in your house. That stresses out the dog. It stresses out the people. They probably won't stay long. Um, so you could go for a walk, you could board the dog, which, or take them to, to doggy daycare. Um, but I will say like the open house option, usually that's a good option. Cause then people don't have to worry. Um, and then if you're priced right, hopefully you get that contract <laughs> that weekend every you drive everybody to that to that. No, house. I love that. Yeah, the specific, you know? oh, I can't even talk a specific window where you know you need to be out of the house and the pets do too. Yeah. And you can also like set up times like maybe um the seller has flexibility within certain hours after work and you can kind of drive traffic to to you know specific showing time hours that will help them. Um, because maybe they work all day and they can't be there to be with their animals and take them out of the house. So we would adjust for that. If you have cats, usually they, usually they hide. So you don't really have to worry. Um, we always put signs up though, like don't let the cat out. Um, so it just depends on the cat. Um, if you've got an aquarium, if you've got snakes, if you've got tarantulas, whatever else, just make sure the cages are gerbils, make sure the cages are clean. The litter box is clean you know, the aquarium is clean because you don't want people to walk into the house and smell the animals. Right. So never really thought about listing a property with a giant snake. Thanks for, yes. Or your favorite pet, (laughs) a tarantula. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, I've seen it all. I've seen it all. The tarantula. Yeah. That's, Oh my goodness. I can't even, I can't even go in rooms with tarantulas as pets, but that's just me. We actually have a past client who breeds tarantulas. Oh, I won't go in that house. I won't. And I, I said, where do you do this? And they said, in the house. And I said, great. Oh my God. How many do they have? Like hundreds. Hundreds. I, all, I, like, I always Do you do a think... head count before you go to bed? Or how does right? that work? I'm what not sure. You, what, if, what if you like knock into it and it hits the floor and then you have all of these arachnids <laughs> everywhere? I always think of that movie, Arachnophobia. Do you remember? I do. I do. Oh my God. I keep a pair <laughs> of shoes outside because like... Like, you know, like, cause sometimes like you leave stuff out if I'm walking the dog or whatever. And I'm always like checking the shoes to make sure there's nothing in there. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm like, oh, anyway. Scary stuff. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that's really good advice because we have pets and I'd I'd worry about that. You know, we have a cat that I'd worry about getting out. So that was a great question. Thanks for sending that in, guys. Well, let's take a a quick break for our sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to talk about um, a question about how to sell your house, how to make an offer, I'm sorry, without making it contingent upon the sale of your house. This episode is sponsored by Legacy Life Project, creating personal biographies of elderly relatives in high-definition video so that future generations will be able to see and hear them tell their life stories in their own words. Create a lasting legacy for your family before it's too late. Visit LegacyLifeProject.com for details and to schedule a personal biography video interview. Welcome back, friends, to this episode where we're covering uh, questions from our listeners. So we've um, packaged together a few that really focus on selling your house. And the last question for today, it's a doozy. Again, another one that we could make a whole episode about, but we're going to try to (laughs) oversimplify and get the question answered. Um, Beth, the question was, can you make a contingency offer in today's market? So explain what that is and then tell us what you think. So when you have a sale of your home contingency and you're a buyer, that means you have to sell in order to purchase a new home. So you already have an inspection contingency and an appraisal contingency, which is kind of tied into your loan approval pretty much. Um, So you already have two contingencies in the contract. So if there is, for example, a multiple offer situation, a seller is going to look for the least amount of contingencies, right? So that's why you've probably heard people are sometimes people are like, Oh, I won't have my, uh, I'll let go of my appraisal contingency and just have my inspection. Or if it's cash, they just have an inspection contingency because they don't typically do an appraisal. So, you know, that seller is going to go with the path of least resistance. What is the easiest? So having that extra contingency just as another layer where a seller may not feel comfortable moving forward, but it depends because let's say the home does not have multiple offers. Maybe the home has been sitting for a little while. Maybe your home is on the market. Uh, You just had the home inspection. It went great. You're about to get the appraisal done and you're really interested in the house. It has no offers on it. You could make an offer and just say, Hey, I'm through the inspection doing my appraisal. You know, the buyers are doing their appraisal. We're closing on this date. You know, can we make this work? And will you accept my offer? And in some cases, sellers might do that if they have, you know, the time and they, feel comfortable and you're through some of your contingencies, that gives you better negotiating power than if you aren't even listed yet, want a house and don't have, you know, don't even have your house listed. You haven't been through inspections or through appraisals, you know? So now okay. saying so it just that, depends on where you are. It really does. And it also depends on the seller and what the seller wants. So while I say in one breath, like this gives you more neg- negotiating power I'm going to also tell you, always ask, because if you don't, the answer is definitely no, right? Like, so I always will ask if I have a buyer that's like, I love this house, but I can't list my house for, you know, another couple of weeks or whatever the case may be. And I see, hey, you know, that house has been on the market for a while. I can reach out to that listing agent and just say, listen, here's my buyers and, you know, here's what's going on with my buyer. What is your seller looking for? Could we make this work somehow? And, um, you know, and sometimes you can make it work where the seller's willing to wait. And as long as your buyer is solid and, you know, 
and can close for sure, then, you know, then sometimes they'll accept. So it just depends. I always hate that answer. It depends, but it really no, does. I, it does. There's too many facts because you're talking about two. Think about it, guys. It's two separate real estate transactions, and you, mm-hmm. we're already you know starting to share all the moving parts in each one of you know every transaction. Well, this involves two. It involves right. you getting your house listed under contract, inspections done by your buyer, you know, appraisal done by your buyer, ready to get it sold. So you put that money in your pocket and get the loan paid off. And then on the right. flip side, you you know you're writing an offer on another property that has to go through all the same steps. So we're just trying to help those you know properties align and multiple offer situations. I mean, what's more attractive? If I make if right. you have your house listed and I say I would like to buy it, but I need to sell my house, but I don't even have mine re- listed yet. I just don't right. sound like I'm re- I'm quite ready and prepared. But if um in that pile of offers. Uh, Speaking of pets, I think um, Beth just had a, a cat <laughs> join us. Um, Sorry, yes, my cat just pulled out my my head my uh, headset. So no worries. So <laughs> yeah, it just depends on on where you are in the process. You know, you can you're a much more attractive buyer. You know, if, if we had to put it in order, if someone came to buy your house and it, they offered you cash at the list price, that's probably the most attractive. And then financing with no contingencies, you know, it's probably the next most attractive. And then we get into the contingencies like, oh, but wait, I need to sell my house first. Oh, but I really want to get this house appraised and make sure it's worth what I'm paying for it. You know, all those little extras we add on, um, you know, just may not work in a multiple offer situation. Right. Exactly right. And think of it from the seller's point of view too. You know, if I'm a seller, I just want to make sure if I have a, if I have a buyer on my house that has that contingency you know, all I want to know is that they're able to close because what happens to them directly affects me. If they lose their buyer, now I can't close because you can't. So, you know, so it's like a domino effect. So that's really why um, I think sellers can sometimes be a little bit nervous about accepting that sell of the home contingency for sure. So if we had someone come to us and, you know, maybe they started with you, and said, I, you know, really found a house I like, but I've got to sell my house to buy. I, I think what you and I would put our heads together and try to do is find a way to eliminate that selling contingency, right? You'd probably right. refer them to me and say, Vicki, talk to them. What can they do? And right. I'd have to ask the questions like, okay, why do you need to sell first? Do you not qualify with your current payment plus the proposed payment? And, or is it that you need all the cash, you know, for your down payment closing costs need, mm-hmm. that needs to come from the sale of your current home? And once we get through some of those questions, we can better guide you. We have some tools that can help with those problems and maybe make you a, you know, a buyer that's not contingent upon the sale of your home. We have some bridge loans. We can talk about other sources where your money can come from and how maybe later after your home sells, you can put more money down on what you owe and, uh, you know, receive a lower mortgage payment. That's called a recast. So Sometimes there's options. So if you're asking the same question in your mind, like I'd really like to buy this year, maybe there's been a life change, um, but you feel like you're contingent upon the sale of your home, reach out and talk to us. And, and let's talk about your individual situation and what your your you know obstacle is that, you know, why you feel like you need to sell to buy. And we'll let you know if there's some options. Yeah, because there's there's things like um also like some like another scenario that where a, a a buyer, you know, um, can benefit, like if they have to sell their home in order to purchase, they could, um, put their home on the market, um, close, like make sure they have a buyer who's flexible, who would give them a lease back for a month or two 
in order for them to find a property. And then, you know, but you would close. So basically you would um, get the property under contract with that flexible buyer, close, get your money for the sale. Now you're, you're living in the home that the buyer now owns, but you're leasing back to them. And depending on the market will depend on what that, you know, that, what that post-occupancy agreement looks like. And then, um, but then you're ready to go. You've got the money in your pocket. You can go to another property without that contingency. Um, you know, and if, if all else fails, if that's not enough time, if, if 30 or 60 days is not enough time for you to find something, then you might have to look at, you know, could you stay with family? Could you stay at an Airbnb? Which I know that, you know, sometimes people are like, oh gosh, you know, <laughs> I don't like either of those options. But, but we've had clients do it, right? Just yeah. it depends on their individual situation. Yeah. And I think to your point, Vicki, there are ways to work with that sale of the home contingency. So first talking to you, seeing what the options are, and then, you know, and then kind of communicating with me what the wants and needs are and how we can find a solution. Because I'm always wanting to be, you know, I'm always solutions based and can be creative and try to, you know, all I want to do is figure out a win-win for everybody. Yeah, we can too. And you have to decide, is it, you know, what makes sense financially? You know, what's your, what's your power, what you're buying power financially, if, you know, you end up with both homes and then right. with you, we've got to talk about the logistics, the timing, and then mm-hmm. we put it together and we figure out what can be done. And the answer is going to be different depending on every, each person's scenario. But no, I'm exactly. glad we covered that. I would love yep. to, you know, address that with any of you guys individually who have questions in our show notes, um, all of our contact information. You can even jump on a, my calendar to start with me. So there's lots of ways you can communicate with us, but keep those questions coming. These were great. Yeah. It's so much fun to answer your questions. And um, we love that um, we we see all the downloads and we know that people are listening and we love that. So um, so thank you for your downloads and for following us. Thank you for your questions. And like Vicki said, keep them coming. And we drop a new episode every Tuesday and we can't wait to have you back next week. So, so have a great day. And thanks for, thanks for listening. Thanks friends.